In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with today's edition of the podcast Southern Fried Soccer. We're here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium where Atlanta United defeated D.C. United 3-1 in front of a new MLS single-game record crowd of 72,035. The Five Stripes now have the top three regular season single-game attendance records in league history in only their 18th home game. I'm joined by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com. Jason, how you doing? Doing good. Good uh, bounce back from last week. Yeah. Um, let's go through some housekeeping real quick, and then we'll compare the 4 to nothing loss to Houston with today's 3-1 to win. And again, I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Joseph Martinez opened the scoring in the 24th minute off of assists from Hector Viaba and Darlington Nagby. I thought the assist to Nagby was a little odd because Viaba no. did most of the work. No, 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 no. i got to give right. Nagby a lot of credit on uh, that. It was a good pass. but Great ball to unleash Vijalba on the break. Viaba carried the ball 20-something yards before he unleashed a fantastic pass through Steve Birnbaum's legs to Martinez. All he had to do was put his foot on it. Goal. Uh, Miguel Almiron followed in the 73rd minute. Uh, with an 18-yard shot left-footed, of course, into the top left corner with assist from Julian Gressel, who's playing right wing back today. We'll get into that in a minute. And Vijaba. And then Vijaba in the 75th minute. A header off a corner kick. And I remember tweeting, I think the world has stopped spinning. Vijaba with a headed goal and a goal off a corner kick. Short corners for the win. With assist to Almiron and Garza, which again seems a little odd to me because it was a short corner and how you give... A guy who made a short corner kick and assist, but whatever. The hockey assist, <laughs> it's just a weird thing. The Nagby one, I'm actually good with. The Vijalba one on Almiron's goal and the Garza one on Vijalba's goal, eh. MLS know. loves the secondary assist. I think all five LAFC goals yesterday had two, two players assist. It seems like 2018 them. is the year of the secondary assist. Okay, but a couple of talking points from today. First, let's get to the formation switch. Uh, Atlanta United switched from the 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 that it ran most of last season, not all, but most of last season, to a 3-5-2 in which there were three center backs, uh, Escobar, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, and Michael Parkhurst, and two wing backs, Greg Garza and Julian Gressel. Jeff Lernowitz moved from center back to defensive midfielder. Darlington Nagby and Miguel Amaron kind of played off each other as attacking midfielders. And Joseph Martinez and Hector Vijaba were kind of attacking or played off each other as strikers. What did you think of the switch? It worked. It worked really well in this match. Uh, I was concerned about Gressel's defensive responsibilities coming in. 
he answered all of those questions with a, a great performance. Maybe the, the most complete performance we've seen from Julian Gressel in his career here with Atlanta United. Uh, great cross on the Almiron goal as well. Picking mm-hmm. Almiron out, not just whipping a ball in and seeing what happens. Uh, that was one question. Uh, Franco Escobar, Michael Parkhurst, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez as a trio, how would that mesh? Uh, it worked great defensively. Mm-hmm. Parkhurst organized well, was able to sit deeper. He had two aggressive center backs on either side of him. Jeff Lorinowitz back into the, the number six role. And, you know, I still saw questions after the match about when is Atlanta United going to replace Carlos Carmona. Um, Jeff Lorinowitz was the six last year. Jeff Lorinowitz is back as the six. He was very, very strong defensively in tackles and interceptions among the leaders in the team. Strong passing numbers. Jeff Lorinowitz put on a complete performance, and, and I thought he was going to strangle Paul Areola at one point. I thought so, too. Yeah, he Jeff Lorinowitz tied for the team lead with four tackles. I think I saw an MLS stat that he had five recoveries. He actually tied Hector Vijaba, of all people, with four tackles. Uh, I don't know if that's in the wrong category. No, Vishalba, and that that was the next point I was going to make, was the way it played almost at times, it looked even a little more like a 3-6-1 because Vishalba dropped very deep. And Martinez dropped deep at times mm-hmm. to get on the ball. You saw circulating. It was, it was great. It was great to see that trio of your three designated players signed last year, the three headliners in the squad, really drove the team today on both ends of the mm-hmm. field. It was, it was very impressive, impressive to see. And it kind of reminded me of some of the early matches last year where you'd see flashes of things, but you didn't get a full 90-minute performance all the way through. That's what it felt like. Yeah, and it gave Nagby. Nagby was kind of freed mostly from having to play defense. Uh, Martino said last week that he thought that the central midfield he had last week, which was Chris McCann, Julian Gressel, and Darlington Nagby, that they struggled to, to recover the ball. So I don't think you'll ever see that again. He said today that he thought Nagby played much better. He, he admitted that he thought Nagby struggled, for lack of a better word, last week. But Nagby was able to do what the team needs him to do, and that's to keep the offense patient. There were not yeah. a lot of giveaways in the first half, uh, which is very much unlike the Houston game. There weren't too many vertical passes. They mostly, if they got into D.C. United's half, it was a lot of parallel passes, parallel passes. They kind of created try to create seams, and then the goals came on counterattacks. Uh, the Vijaba goal, the, I'm sorry, the Martinez goal was a counterattack, sprung by Nagby around uh, midfield, Down the put right it between wing. two D.C. United players to Vijaba, who can go from 0 to 60 like that, mm-hmm. and he did. Caught up the ball, put it to Martinez, uh, and Nagby just, he had a little freedom to do what Nagby is best at doing. What's interesting about the way Atlanta played today is you think of Miguel Almiron as the 10, and, and everyone was clamoring for Miguel Almiron to be the 10. He played the 10 like an 8, and yeah. Nagby played the 8 like a 10. Because <laughs> Nagby was very free to do whatever, and Almiron was the one who was coming back defensively a lot. And yeah, playing that 8 that we saw him play at Lanus, and we see him play with the Paraguayan national team, that makes it kind of hard to pick up on Nagby for the opposition because he's sitting deeper, but he's in a free attacking role yeah. from a deeper position. I mean, there are times tonight that, again, I forget that he's on the field. And suddenly it's like, oh, Nagby has the ball. I forgot he was even there. Um, but going back to the defense for a second, I thought that they did a fantastic job on Jamil Assad. He yeah. had no influence on this game whatsoever. 
Uh, there was a time in the first half when he was trying to receive the ball, and four Atlanta the United defenders came in, Gressel, Escobar, Larinowitz, and I think it might have been Parkhurst. And he just he couldn't even get it. And even if he had, there would have been nowhere to go. I was um, surprised DC didn't start Luciano Acosta. Yeah, they were yeah. much more dangerous once he came into the match. Uh, Stieber just was not able to create very much for them, and Assad was bracketed. Ariola was invisible in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian Gressel talked to us on the post-match show um, on 92.9 The Game, and we asked him about Assad and kind of what it was like going up against him. And you could tell, I mean, Julian took a lot of pride in the defensive performance yeah. against Assad. You know, he, he knows what Assad brings to the table. He knew how important it was to shut him down, and, and Gressel was a big part of doing that. Right. Uh, Gressel also told us in the locker room after the game that that right wingback position is one that he actually started working on after the season when the team was still training. Um, that's when they really started to focus, I guess, a little bit more on this 3-5-2. That's a great two. point. Um, so this wasn't kind of a new thing for him. He also played it in college. And I can remember on the very first day of training camp, I think Gressel was one of the ones that we interviewed. It was first or second day. And he said, I'll play anywhere on the field, including right fullback. Yeah, I mean, Julian Gressel just wants to be on the field. And he knows at this point, this was a performance without Ezekiel Barco. And you know Barco's coming into the lineup and when he's healthy. And that's going to raise all sorts of new questions. And where's he going to fit? Yeah. The, the 3-5-2 <laughs> is a little bit tougher to fit Ezekiel Barco into. Right. Uh, it becomes some different conversations about how you make it work. And that's the thing about a team with this much talent now. You know, last year the lineup pretty much picked itself. Mm-hmm. Now you have lots of opportunities to mix and match and do different things. Let's see what Yamil's stats actually were from this game real quick uh, before we move on to what's next. Uh, Yamil aside, one chance created, only 70% passing, only one tackle, only one foul one. Very much unlike how he performed for Atlanta United last season. Yeah, Yamil Assad was, was kind of isolated on that wing. Uh, D.C. struggled in possession to really generate much, and Atlanta United clogged up the passing lanes. I thought Almarone, Vishalba doubling down and defensively helping out. And Escobar and Gonzalez, Pires, and Parkhurst did a great job as the yeah. three center backs. Now, Martino said this isn't a formation you're going to see every week. No. Uh, so, I don't... I think you'll probably see it next week because last year against Vancouver, if Houston was Atlanta United's worst performance last week's 4-0 loss, the game at Vancouver probably is top five worst performances. It's close to it. You know, I think of the, the match at Yankee Stadium last year, too. Yeah, that's top five. Probably the, the three that come to mind right. quickest. Maybe um, the one at Chicago, too. That was a horrible. Yeah. That's true. Um, uh, but anyway. Vancouver you know, played last, uh, last night against Houston, played the 4-1-4-1, very similar to the shape that D.C. threw out today. Defeated Houston. Defeated them. Didn't control the game. They yeah. haven't controlled possession in either one of their wins. They're, they're 2-0 and on the season with, with 2-1 to wins in both matches. Uh, 44% possession, nine shots a game. They're not generating a ton, but they are the biggest team in MLS. They have they have great size. They're right. dangerous on crosses. They're dangerous on set pieces, and that's what they're going to play for. All right, we're going to wrap this one up. I've got some more writing to do. I posted a short game story on AJC.com, a longer game story with quotes on myAJC.com. My man of the match was Vijaba. Hey, uh, we're the, on the same page. I think the team chose Almiron. They I chose did. Vijaba. 
Uh, and I'm going to post this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer. You can find it on iTunes. When I get home, I'll post the buy the numbers, the player ratings, and then tomorrow I'll post five things for this week and five observations from this game. Jason, how can everybody find you? Uh, tomorrow, 9 a.m., blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. We're back 9 to 11 all week. Uh, we'll have stoppage time on Wednesday on the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. Uh, expecting some some cool content later in the week as well. We had a great sit-down last week with Darlington Nagby. We'll be doing more of those as the season goes on. That's cool. And follow me on Twitter at Longshoe. And you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And again, I hope that you'll subscribe at least to the digital edition of the newspaper, myajc.com. That's where you can find every piece of content that I write about Atlanta United, as well as the content about the Falcons and the Braves and Georgia and Georgia Tech and Georgia State, which is going to the NCAA tournament. I need to know who Georgia's next basketball coach is going to be. (laughs) There you go. And anyway, that's going to wrap up this edition of Southern Fried Soccer. Atlanta United, 3-1 to winners over D.C. United with an MLS record crowd, 72,035 tickets sold and distributed. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, oh, oh.